How do I learn to stand up for myself when I feel so much shame over the things that I've done? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Tyler, welcome back. Oh, man. You held down the fort last time without me. So thanks for doing that, Brandon. Yeah. I mean, hey, I got to hold down the fort for my older brother to to act like he's a cowboy. (laughs) Hey, Hey, you know, with this this upcoming... We talk about posers all the time. I I wonder about you. (laughs) Well, we have this cousin who needed some help with this cattle drive. And so he called me because he knows I want to act like a cowboy. and, And so he told me there was one rule that I'm not allowed to wear shorts. So I I showed up at least with some pants on and some, some cowboy boots. I got made fun of for 26 miles over two days on the, on the back of a horse. Just that he had to tell you that, you know, (laughs) says something, but no. Hey, but if you can handle cattle driving for two days and did you get saddle sore? Oh man, I was, I was so sore, but it was such an awesome couple of days. You know, like the stuff we talk about, like when we get into the men's retreats that we put on, you know, like the rising sun conferences coming up, same ideas. Like we want to get back into that boyhood, feel alive, turn on your masculinity. It's like, I did all of that over two days, even though my body paid for it dearly. And it was, it was awesome, man. Yeah. Well, at rising sun, you don't get too saddle sore, but we definitely deal with cat (laughs) cattle and all kinds of crazy fun stuff. So not to let the cat out of the bag too much. Um, so yeah, come on out to the rising sun, uh, check out risingsun.com. Risingsun.org. Risingsun.org. Um, and that's S O N. Yes, and uh, spots really are filling up. We're, we ran out of our early bird pricing and it's going to sell out. So if you want to come, you better get on it and sign up now. So, um, all right. So we've got Scott with us here today. I'm really excited to have Scott here. Um, it's been a long time coming. I've wanted him to come on the show for a while. And uh, anyways, Scott, I, I just want to turn it over to you. Give a little bit of background as to what's gone on with you and then ask any questions that you have. Sure thing. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Tyler, for letting me come on the, the podcast here. Uh, my background um, growing up went through some things that I looked at as some, some big trauma that, that hit my life pretty early on. And uh, I learned to cope with that and escape from those issues by turning to pornography and masturbation. And for decades, kind of struggled on and off with that Um, for a long time, tried to ignore it and feel like at any point I could overcome it and deal with it. And it wasn't a big deal. But as time continued to go on, finally took a hard look at it. And for the last five or six years have been really working what I would call a, a path to recovery and doing groups and therapy sessions and trying to learn a lot about this subject and how to to recover from from this very unhealthy connection I have with, with sexual things. Um, on top of that, uh, about 10 years ago, I lost my first wife to, to breast cancer. Uh, a few years later, I remarried uh, another widow and we were married for about six years and, and really had a hard time in that marriage. Uh, the relationship dynamics just didn't work very well. And we tried for a long time, but about a year and a half ago, I finally uh, ended that marriage and 
have been moving on since then, trying to, to figure out the rest of life. So um, I think a lot of my questions or what I want to talk about relates to just um, the situation in that second marriage and how things progressed and, and maybe what it took for me to get to a better place to actually move on from that relationship. So, so Scott, you're saying that the choice to get the divorce was yours and it was because you were in a better place by the time you made that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Could you, could you give a little bit of, I mean, obviously whatever you feel comfortable sharing, but could you give a little bit of background in terms of like what the process was like from the beginning of that marriage until the point that you made the decision? Yeah, I think, you know, early on, um, things changed really fast once we got married to where uh, the dynamics between us weren't working very well. And a lot of it had to do with how we approached our parenting styles. She had three children and I had four children and we just could not see eye to eye on how to, how to deal with our children very well. And because of my issues with, with pornography and the dynamics that created inside me, I didn't feel like I had, uh, the right to stand for what I really felt was right and second guessed myself a lot and felt just a ton of shame around myself. So, um, kind of let a lot of things go that looking back, I wish I would have kind of held some boundaries and stood up for earlier on in the marriage. Um, you know, little by little, I, I started my recovery process and, and understanding more about myself and fighting through that shame and would, would take additional steps to stand for what I felt was right. And that just kind of drove a further wedge in our marriage little bits over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know many times I would feel from her like I'm the one who brought a big problem into our marriage. So I didn't have a right to stand up for what I thought was correct. And I should just kind of go along with it. And maybe once I had dealt with my, my issue with pornography and stuff, then I could come and talk to her about how we should parent and how we should deal with things in the home. And, and just, we had this endless cycle of that going on for many years. Okay. And, and it sounded, sounds like in that pattern. So if I'm understanding it right, you came into the marriage already. If I were to like picture it, you viewed yourself as almost like one down in the relationship in terms of like uh, having an opinion, being able to share your own thoughts, even setting your own boundaries, there was an el- there was an element of you that was coming from within you, not from within her. That was that didn't believe that you were even worthy of having that equal voice because you felt like you had to pay some kind of penance, or you felt like you needed to keep the peace, or you felt like it was your fault because because of the problem that you had brought in. Right. A lot of times, I would feel like the bad dynamics that were going on had to be my fault because I was already broken inside. Right. I see. And because you were already broken inside, what ended up happening is, is that you didn't show up the way that you authentically would have. And because you didn't show up the way you authentically would have, it didn't allow the relationship to actually function like a healthy marriage because, because it turned into a power differential instead of a connection based relationship. Absolutely. That's very well said. Yeah. There was constantly, it felt like a struggle for power in that dynamic. 
Mm-hmm. And and when that's usually that's that's usually what happens when there's already been some damage to a relationship is is that it's a way to try to maintain safety in a relationship to go into this power one up one down kind of relationship. And what it does is it allows people to stay together without ever actually having to be vulnerable or work out the tension between them for a period of time until until they realize that it's not really working as in terms of the reason they got together in the first place, which is that they desperately want more connection with each other. Right. And so there's this wedge that starts to get driven where safety becomes the priority quotes in safety at the expense of the connection. And it sounds like that's where you found yourself six years into this marriage. Yeah. I mean, within a year or two kind of in that dynamic. And then we just never seem to be able to break out of it. Yeah. And, and we tried going to different counseling sessions, different therapists and tried several different things, but the, the dynamics seemed to get worse. Like I mentioned before, as I felt like I was kind of finding myself through the recovery programs and the groups um, and, and holding boundaries and, and taking steps to try and fix the dynamics. It just, it, it created more of a, a extreme cycle of the control cycle you mentioned, where we're um, trying to find safety and, and things just got more extreme and, and more dysfunctional. So this is really fascinating. I, I want to just kind of, just kind of throw it out there. The, what, I, what I'm hearing is, I had a lot, I had a lot of shame about acting out, acting out with pornography, things like that. I got married and once I started to get out of my shame and get healthier, that's when the marriage started ending, started leading to divorce. So, um, the healthier I got, the more empowered I got, the less chance I had to succeed in my marriage. Um, that sounds a bit backwards, right? Um, yeah, it makes total sense to me, but it sounds a bit backwards. It did feel Brandon at times, like I had to make a choice to either be me, my authentic me or save the marriage. I couldn't do both. I felt that like many times I would lay at night thinking about it. I'm like, I, what choice do I make? Religiously, I had this place I had to get over that you're not supposed to get divorced. Like that's what was trained into me as a kid and Mm -hmm. through through the church I go to was divorce is a, is a lot, you know, never an option. And it took me a long time to get over that because I felt like I had to give up myself to save a marriage that I couldn't be myself in. And that, that dilemma that you're describing, I mean, you, you had that dilemma to, to a degree that, that's pretty extreme of if I'm me, then I'll probably end up divorced. But that dilemma that you're describing is one that we all get into some degree in our life where it's, I'm, I'm worried to be me or to be authentic and be empowered because it'll affect the relationship. And I'm scared to damage the relationship. So therefore I'll pretend I'll shame screen. I'll be fake in order to protect this relationship. And Scott, I want to ask you, and I want to ask you this, and then I want to back up a little bit, but you're a year and a half post-divorce now. Um, you did come to the determination that, yes, I'm going to be me and I'm going to be healthy. And ultimately we're going to get divorced. Um, you've been on both sides of this coin for years. You were 
just trying to stay in your shame so that you could make the relationship work. Now, a year and a half later, you actually stepped into your truths. What's better? Well, I, I can look back and say, for me, it was 150% the right decision to move on from that relationship. I was, I was in a cycle. I just felt like I could not progress through and, and thrive as myself. And, and over the last year and a half, feel like I have grown immensely um, in lots of different ways and, and really thriving for me and, and for my children. Uh, it's really helped them kind of step out into another, um, another realm for, for their lives as well. Uh, what's different? Um, you know, for me, it felt like I was being kind of suppressed constantly. There was just so much pressure to be something I wasn't. And every time I try to step into who I was, there were comments, there was, I'm going to use the term punishment. It wasn't like, you know, go to your, go to the, your room type of punishment, but you felt that cold shoulder and, and some form of, of disapproval. And it was just hard to, to step out of. Now I feel I can make decisions and move in that direction. And if it's the wrong decision, I get to correct it. And there's no like ongoing consequence for making a bad choice. I'm, I'm free to fail and learn from my failures. I think that's a big part of what I feel today that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I just point something I, yeah, out? Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Just for our listeners to understand a little bit of what I think they're witnessing right here and kind of how the pattern works is that, Scott, you're, you're not really much different than many clients that we run into. And it usually follows a certain pattern is, is that if I've been living with some type of a sexually compulsive problem, usually I have this story of shame already integrated into my life. So that whatever I bring into my life, whether that's a new wife or a girlfriend or somebody else, I'm already basing that relationship from a shame-based place to begin with. And, and oftentimes when there's been betrayal, it makes it even harder because now I feel like I need to, I need to make up for it. I need to pay penance. I need to try to fix it. I need to, to show my regret for the things that I've done. And a lot of times I think our clients who are in the same position as you were, they think that showing regret and remorse means beating themselves up and staying in the dialogue of shame that they've already been in forever. And then they get into that, recovery. That it's almost righteous. Yeah, it's almost like the right thing to do to, to beat myself with the wet noodle until penance is fully paid. Mm -hmm. and, and if I do that, at the beginning of recovery, that feels good to everybody in a weird way. It's like, I feel like I'm paying my penance. My partner feels like they're getting some level of validation from seeing me. Look at the humility and ownership and of this because he's just wallowing in his shame. All of that stuff. And, and the truth is, is that there needs to be some type of, you know, repentance, you know, a, a chance to try to fix what you can, but it, but it's not the same as living in shame. And so then when you go to a recovery program and you start to realize, you know what, the only way out of this for me is if I actually learn to adopt what you just described, Scott, a, a growth mindset where I need to own myself. I need to own my decisions. I need to allow myself to learn and to grow and to make mistakes and as I start to step into that relationship, even though it's healthier to do that, it's not normal because it's not what we're both used to. And so the partner who's been betrayed 
gets scared and goes, Oh no, like this is, this feels off. Like, I don't like this pushback. This is, this is scary for me. And so oftentimes couples would rather stay in the unhealthy middle part of it than, than have to adopt this idea that I need a partner. I need a husband who actually can show up as his authentic self, who can push back a little bit, who can handle some healthy conflict between us if we want what we really want in our marriage. And so when you started to step into that for yourself, what you, what you didn't realize you were doing is you were inviting a change to the whole system of the marriage, but it was scary. Hey, Brandon, what does the Rising Sun Retreat include? Well, not only is it your lodging, excellent food by a professional chef, brotherhood with a bunch of guys who are there to heal, but it's so much more. If you don't believe me, don't take my word for it. Listen to what they have to say. If I had a friend who was contemplating attending this conference, I would say do it. Sign up as soon as you can. Man, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, be your, I'll be you guys' advertising arm because I'm going to tell everybody I know about this conference. Oh, man. I would say... Again, I, I have nothing but positive things to say about it, so... Uh, There's no reason to, not to come. Definitely attend. If you have the means, you, it would be a mistake not to come. Do it. You won't be disappointed. Well, I would say it takes a leap of faith to come to one of these things because you're not going to know what it's going to be coming into it, and it's completely worth it. Just go for it. Um, so I would tell that friend that uh, he should definitely come. It is definitely worth um, the time, the effort, the money. If you have any thought whatsoever whether or not you should go, just go. Even after I signed up, I told my wife I didn't want to come the first day. I was like nervous as I'll get out. I knew it was going to be uncomfortable, everything about it. But I would look at that person and say, you will never regret to help you to know how to find the joy that you're seeking in your life, to t do this, take it seriously, and add it to your regimen moving forward. I, it, it has been powerful, just incredibly powerful. If you're interested in attending our next Rising Sun retreat, go to risingsun.org, risingsun.org, and check out more stories like this. Hurry up because space is limited. is you were inviting a change to the whole system of the marriage, but it was scary and it was painful. And it was going to mean that there was going to need to be a shift to the whole system. And, and you can't really, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know her, but I, I can't really fault your wife or ex-wife for having responded the way she did because she was probably responding from a place of self-preservation, but she was trying to maintain a relationship. She was in a losing battle trying to maintain a relationship with a man who needed to stay in his shame in order for the relationship to stay intact. Mm -hmm. And the relationship had to go undergo a metamorphosis and a transformation if it was going to actually turn into something that you both wanted in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is spot on. Let's, let's back up a little bit. I, I love what Tyler just said. And, and I think that's the bind that we see many men get in um, is, you know, they get, they, they have all this shame before they even get married. Yes. And uh, they just, these faulty core beliefs are just running the show. They get married and they try to consume their wife to feel good enough. 
And so they, they try to please, they try to be good enough. They try to take it all on so that they can be good enough. And, and what they discover is that they can't get their masculinity or self-worth from their wife and that they're constantly failing her. And the marriage becomes just more proof of the shame and the faulty core beliefs. Um, I want to back up just a little bit here. Um, th this kind of massive amount of shame, Scott, and Which I and, had a lot of Brandon and still do. Still yeah. Do. So, so I'd like to know where that started. So you say you were raised really religious. Um, you're acting out sexually. What were some of those faulty core beliefs that were developed long before you were even, even married the first time? Well, I, I've come to know that there's, there's several key ones that typically men in my situation struggle with. Uh, one of the biggest is that we're just not lovable. That if someone really knew me, knew what I do, what I actually like, which in a lot of ways feels really deviant. Some of the things I like, we're not supposed to like, you know, I, I find pornography and some of those images very attractive. I do. And we're not supposed to do that. Right. That's what we're taught and we're drilled. So, uh, I so, felt so, at so my sc core, Scott, I want to ask you, yeah, go ahead. Just so that started developing how, about how old were you? Probably nine or 10 years old, maybe 11, somewhere in that range. And the, so some of the ingredients at play here were you were a, a sexual being who was exploring your sexuality and acting out with pornography and masturbation and sexuality. So that was at play along with some, some pretty um, clear beliefs about what you should or shouldn't be doing as a sexual being. Okay. Yeah. So you were being taught one thing and you were doing another yes. and, and you were, and you were hiding the behavior that you were doing. Is that all what was happening? Yeah. And I, I grew up in a home, a, a broken home, but in a family dynamic where you didn't talk about problems. You, you pretended like everything was fine. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was seven and, and I can look back now and look that it was almost just not talked about. My grandparents pretended like it never happened and they wanted the image of the family to remain this, this kind of, you know, perfect family image. And it just got passed down generation to generation that you may do things that weren't right, but you never talk about them. You never admit them. You never show it. You just put up the, image, the front. image management was the most important thing. Yes. Look what you were taught yes. from a real young age. And yeah. that got ingrained in me. And I lived that for decades yeah. that it was much more important what I showed to everybody else than what I actually did inside. Mm. Yeah. You can see the trap right there. Right. Like pretty clearly. Um, then fast forward and the acting out is still happening and you're, you're contemplating divorce and you're thinking, well, I can't be, I, I can't be a man who gets divorced. Cause what about my image? Then my image is even further tainted. <laughs> no, I had to get over that hurdle. And that was a hard one for me. It took me a couple years to get to the place where I could accept that, that separation and divorce would actually be healthier for me than protecting that image. That was a hard hurdle to get over. Mm -hmm. How did you come to that conclusion, Scott? What um, was the process to get there? I mean, it was a lot of 
thought, a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation. But I think the turning point was just looking at not only the misery I was in, but my ex-wife was in, her children were in, my children were in. We were all in, uh, I, I think it was uh, Jody Moore talks about, sometimes you sit in this pond of misery rather than crossing the river of like tribulation. Like you got to go through the hard thing, but a lot of times we're just comfortable sitting in this misery place that doesn't really move. And I felt like mm -hmm. that's where we were. And um, I finally just felt like, had to do the movement, no matter how painful it was, so we could get out of that place of misery. And and like I said before, looking back, it it was the right decision for for me and my kids, and I hope for her and her children as well. I hope they're out of that misery kind of stuck place and can move forward. Um, I I really want to point something out right here, which I think is very important. And it's not so much what we're talking about. It's what's happening right now. So what I, what I mean is here you are, Scott, you're saying image, it was drilled into my head. The image management was the most important thing. Like th that's where I got my self-worth. That's, that's what I needed to do to be loved. And, and here Scott is, on a public forum in a podcast talking about his pornography issues and his divorce openly and his image management. And, and is it, it's look, look at the courage and the resiliency. I mean, this is an example of, of recovery is of a shift going from this, this, this hell of shame and being trapped and being stuck to starting to find some freedom from those messages that were given to you, Scott, long before you even knew what you were ingesting when you were so young, it was just so automatic. And now you're getting conscious and aware and being able to choose how you want to view the world and how you want to show up. And I imagine it's pretty vulnerable to be here and talk about these things because there's probably those voices, those old voices that are saying, uh Oh, Who's going to hear this? Who's going to listen? Absolutely. What is it like for you, Scott? No, it is actually, it is, it is scary in, in a lot of ways. And there are those voices, but it's also freeing and liberating in another sense to, mm -hmm. to, to step into that courage, to, to enter those kind of dark places you're scared to enter and, and find out, yeah, it's scary to enter. But once you take that first step in, you're actually okay. And you can keep walking, right? Exactly. Kind of cross that initial threshold. Right. You no, know, on this topic though, it it reminds me of something else I wanted to to, to bring up and get your guys' thoughts on. Because that image management was pretty important to me, I actually did not want to make the decision to get a divorce. And I can look back now and see that I was waiting for a therapist or someone else like that to tell me it's the right decision to get a divorce. Uh, we were seeing a, a, a therapist for a while who I, I believe knew that we should probably separate. It'd be healthier for us to separate. And that therapist never kind of told me that. And I, I was actually a bit resentful for a while that I felt like I was in that marriage longer than I should have been had that therapist said, look, there's probably no chance you guys are going to get to a healthy place. You should just end this and move on. Um, but the therapist didn't. And I had to work through that process on my own, which looking back was the right thing for me to do. Uh, if, if I had taken the direction of a therapist, I would have not been in as healthy of a place as I am now, but that was hard for me to get over at the beginning. 
Tyler, I want to ask you um, how you handle that. Like if if you, do, do you feel like it's good for you to tell somebody to divorce or separate or what do you do with that? I'd say that, and this is probably a therapist difference across the board, but I almost never tell somebody they should get divorced for the very reasons that that you're bringing up, Scott, that I, it doesn't matter what I say to somebody unless they come to the conclusion for themselves that it's right. So what I often will do instead is I'll say, here are the principles that make a marriage work. Here's the principles that lead to a healthy relationship. And if both of you guys want to sign up for those principles, you can have a great marriage. But if you don't want to, then you're beating your head against a wall. Yeah. You know, and, but I almost, I, I will almost never like actually tell somebody you guys should get divorced because at the end of the day, I believe so strongly in the principle of agency and choice that, that a big decision like that has to come from the inside out. Yeah. I, uh, one thing it's interesting, Tyler, one thing that we're taught early on in school is to uh, meet the client where they're at and to help them navigate what they want in their life. And, and so it's interesting because sometimes there's some real denial or dissonance where it's like the client's saying they want this thing, but you can tell that if they were to truly get honest with themselves, they're too afraid to get honest because the truth is so scary. But if they were truly to get honest with themselves, they'd probably say they want the opposite. Um, um, But if I just go ahead, it's kind of like raising a child, right? If I just go ahead and say, nope, here's your truth, do this, bam, go ahead. Then they don't get the learning and that fear of the re- truth and the reality will probably push against it. And they're, they're, they're long gone um, mm. because they can't handle the truth yet. Um, and so there's this process of growth that has to take place. And the therapist's job is to, to support that process of growth in reflecting back the realities, um, you know, really trying to help the client get honest with themselves um, to, to face the hard realities, maybe one little small step at a time, um, until they start to come to the realization of what the truth is. And, and so, so I'm with you, Tyler, like I, I don't tell people to stay either. I don't tell people to divorce, but what I do try to do is reflect back what the reality is. And so they, they can make their own decisions and walk their own paths. You know, I think if we were to be, more directive with people, let's say with you, Scott, if you came to me for therapy and I said, Hey, you know, you, you should divorce this, this woman, it's not going to work. You would have either gone home and been justified in pulling the trigger on a divorce. And then you'd be on some other podcast right now talking about your regrets and the stupid therapist that told you to get divorced <laughs> or, yeah. or you wouldn't have done anything at all. And then you would have just incurred more shame because you would have got validation for the thing that your gut said to do, but you didn't have the courage to pull the trigger anyway. And, and so, and so that's probably, you probably had a decent therapist, even though you were resentful towards that. Yeah, no, I, I, I look back now and I'm very grateful that I could come to the conclusion myself without that, which actually helped me get through some of my shame because I was looking for someone to pin it on and having to get to that decision myself actually helped me work through more of my shame versus being able to pass the blame and pass the buck to somebody else. Well, Scott, look at the, look at the, the, 
kind of type of shame we're talking about here. It's about image management. It's about doing the right thing, wanting to be the good person, wanting to be righteous. And if the therapist would have swooped in and been like, I'm making this decision for you, then you wouldn't have experienced that vulnerability and that uncomfortableness of actually doing that's probably the most therapeutic thing that you experienced was you having to make that decision on your own, having to hold that space on your own and stand in that space on your own. That was so important for your own growth. Um, maybe the, maybe one of the most important, maybe the reasons why you got married and one of the most important things that you got out of that marriage was that, um, so I can completely see that. Yeah. Brian, you brought up one other thing I I wanted to touch on. You were talking about sometimes just showing the small steps in in a process like this. And if there are people listening to this who are wondering whether it's the right thing to separate and and go through a divorce process, whether it's the betrayed or the addicted or, or whoever in that dynamic, it might be. um, I made some decisions that were hard but I made them one step at a time, which was really helpful. I made a decision to do an in-house separation for a period of time and see how that felt. And as that progressed, then made another decision to to physically separate and then another decision. And it it wasn't like day one, let's just get divorced. And then this, there were small decisions along the way. And I could look back and assess after each one, does it still feel like the right path or do I want to, to reverse course and, and go some other way? And for me, that path eventually ended in, in the divorce, but um, I really liked that approach and it helped me a lot to get through this. So, so Scott, I, I think what I'm hearing you say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is, is that the divorce itself wasn't the answer. The, the process of building yourself into an authentic person who likes what you see in the mirror, who can stand up for what you believe and give yourself permission to learn and grow, invited the system to change and the system didn't change. So it ended in a divorce. So taking it a step at a time, you began to start to say, you know what, I need to treat myself and everybody else differently. I need to start to live with boundaries. I need to start to like give myself permission to actually value myself and everyone else around me can either be invited into that space with me or they won't be. Um, and so, so it, your, your situation could have ended with the marriage staying together too. It was, yeah. the, it was the changes that you had to make for yourself that sort of led to the decision that you came to that this was the right thing to do. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. 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 Could, could we say, Scott, that in a perfect world you wouldn't have wanted divorce that if, if as you, as you changed and shifted, if your partner changed and shifted that you found happiness together, that you could have stayed married. What do you think? That would have been ideal, Rannon. I I would have loved that. I mean, invested a lot of time and, and energy into the relationship, into the family. And, and, and we did have some great times and great memories together. I would have loved for that whole dynamic to have worked out. That would have been amazing. Right. And so I, I just think, and Tyler, <clears throat> I'm sure you've seen this too. I've seen divorce happen really fast. Like for example, I've done a disclosure. Some, something came out in the disclosure that was shocking. And two months later they were divorced. Boom. Like mm-hmm. she moved out of the house. That was it. The divorce happened. Um, 
but usually like something like that is like, yes, it's very clear that, um, I'm not safe in this marriage or I'm not living my truth. We need to get divorced. Um, a lot of times when I see couples fight for the marriage, um, fighting for the marriage looks like therapeutic separation. Um, you know, one small step of having boundaries here, having boundaries there and waiting for some shifts to happen and, and kind of gauging if there is change taking place. And as much as that's fighting for the marriage, that's also can lead to divorce. And it comes back to one of my favorite um, sayings, which is healthy boundaries, destroy toxic relationships. Um, healthy boundaries also foster healthy relationships. And so if you stay clear on, I'm going to have healthy boundaries. In other words, I'm going to be authentic. It's either going to destroy a bad relationship or really lead to a really good relationship. And back to what Tyler was saying, that's what you chose, Scott. You didn't necessarily choose divorce. It led to divorce and it had to. Um, and, and, and to me, you choosing truth and authenticity and choosing to love yourself and, and act in, in truth and really be connected to God. What's more important. What's the most important thing here to me. I right. think you chose the most important thing. It took a while to get there. It was a process that you walked, but I think that you chose the most important thing. So, and it's, I, it's, it's kind of beautiful in a way. I really think it is. And I, and Scott, I appreciate that you said this step-by-step -step thing because this isn't the step-by-step -step thing isn't towards the divorce. It was that you had to set those smaller steps of boundaries inside your own recovery work. Cause that's probably the level you believed in yourself to do it with too. So it's like, I can't, I can't really go pull the trigger on a divorce yet. Cause I still don't even have enough confidence that it's right for me that I, that I can trust that, that that's the right thing. So what I'll do is I'll set this little boundary here. And then you grew into like yourself and liking yourself a little bit more. And then you set a new boundary and you grew into that and you set a new boundary and you grew into that. And every one of those new boundaries was an invitation to change to the system, but it was also necessary as part of your own personal steps, you know, and in, in growing into a more authentic self, you wouldn't have been able to pull the trigger on a big, big decision without having those little steps along the way. And that's, that's pretty typical for how most people end up doing their work. That's why Brandon and I always say there's three recoveries, there's his, hers, and then there's ours. And if both his and hers happen, then ours will happen. But if his or hers only happens, then eventually it's going to end with the break. And, and that process is necessary because that's what we have to do. I, I want to ask you, Scott, like really, really quickly, like if we were to take snapshots, all right, just, mm -hmm. you know, a snapshot 10 years ago, a snapshot three years ago or a year and a half ago in a snapshot right now, and you had to stand in the mirror and look yourself in the mirror right now, what, how would you see yourself and, and what version of you do you like the best? Definitely like the, the version today, the, the best. Um, I can look at myself and be much more forgiving. And, and though I'm still working through a lot of things, I've still got a long ways to go. I believe that I'm on a, a path that I'm supposed to be on and there's learning to be had on this path in, and, and I'm grateful. It's taken me a long time, but I'm actually grateful to be on this path of recovering from a very unhealthy um, 
method of dealing with stress in my life. Uh, but I'm, I finally gotten to the point where I'm grateful to have to go through this recovery process because of what I'm learning. And that, that took me a long time to get to that place. I know we're running out of time, but I do, I do want to play devil's advocate just for just a second and, and just kind of hear both from Tyler and you, Scott, um, your responses to this. How dare he choose to take these small steps toward divorce when he's acting out with pornography? How dare he? he he's the one causing the problems. And that, like, how he's the one that's living his truth and moving toward divorce? What? Answers, guys. <laughs> you know, Brandon, I struggled with that a lot. And, and that was on the back of my mind a ton. And I wish I, honestly, I wish I could have found a way to get through more recovery and not go through that process because the divorce was really painful, really. Uh, it, it was a hard, hard time to go through. Um, but looking back, I don't know that I would have made the advances in my own personal recovery without going through that. I, there was just this ongoing cycle and dynamic I couldn't seem to break out of. Maybe there was some other outside help that could have helped me, but we had seen lots of counselors. I had seen therapists. I'd done lots of groups and I was, I felt just stuck. And um, yeah, I, I wish there could have been another way, but I didn't find it at least in that time frame. Yeah. I, I would echo what you said, Scott. Uh, I would first say, Brandon, to the whoever whoever's thinking and feeling that right now, that first and foremost is that the topic we're talking about today doesn't diminish the fact that the pain you've experienced is real. And it's sad that it's been that way. And of course, you're feeling that you're looking for a way to find protection and safety. The truth is, is that to have the man that you want in your life a man in recovery, he has to learn how to operate from an inside out place of being truly authentic. And if that's what it takes for the long-term bigger picture, you can both be better off if you both do your work than staying in this place where he's going to grovel and, and stay in shame the rest of his life. And it, it reminds me of a poem, Brandon, you love the poems and you, you hear this all the time and you've probably heard this one before on the show before, <laughs> but it just says, it says, when you get what you want in your struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, then go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or wife whose judgment upon you must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in, most in your life is the man staring back from the glass. He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear to the end. And you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the man in the glass is your friend. You can fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass. But the final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. Really, it's, it's the only way to a long-term success is that mirror test and liking what you see in the mirror. And the only way you can like what you see is to, is to grow into more and more congruence of who God designed you to be. And that's just the way that it works. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, if I can just piggyback on something Tyler said, Tyler, you brought up the pain was real. And, you know, one other thing I'd add to your question, uh, Brandon was, 
you know, I'm, I am sorry for the pain I caused my ex-wife. I know I hurt her. I know there's pain with her kids, with my kids through this whole thing. And the, the pain is real. Um, but it, we don't always get to, to just pick what the best path to get through all that pain. We have to work through it, but I do recognize the pain was there. I caused a lot of that pain and well, I'm sorry for that. Well, and Scott, I'd, I'd add, and by the way, Tyler, I loved that poem. I won't make fun of you for it too much. <laughs> um, but, but I, I'd like to add that the, the pain of deceit and betrayal, that is real. And I'm sure she experienced those things and we're not diminishing that at all. Um, but, but here's one of the fallacies that, that we've been talking about today, which is if I do those things in, in my marriage, then that means that I have to endure and take on a, a bunch of pain myself and my deal breakers and my truths and my authentic self can't stand there and can't be there because of those things. And, you know, porn use oftentimes, especially in a really religious relationship is the bull in the China closet. It's the thing that's focused on and the issue and, and I'm not downplaying it. It is an issue, but sometimes there's other issues too. Mm -hmm. Um, all kinds of other issues on both sides. And that is one of the first things that needs to be dealt with. And addiction has to be dealt with before um, a relationship will thrive. But it doesn't mean that it's the only thing that's going on there in that relationship. So, um, so yeah, this has been a really good discussion, Scott. We've, we've hit on a lot of different topics. Um, I hope that, uh, you, you, your your shame hasn't triggered too much of with your image management and it's felt good to talk openly and talk with us. So how has been it been great. for you? It's been good. No, it's been good. Yeah. Been okay. Very good. I appreciate the opportunity to, to come on with you guys. Yeah. Scott, it was nice to meet you. Thanks for bringing yourself here today. Uh, for those of you guys listening, I know that there's probably a wide mix of emotions going on for our listeners right now. If it stirred something up in you, feel free to comment to us we'd always love to respond back to a comment and if you it hit a nerve for you that felt good please share it with someone else who it might affect as well awesome all right you guys have a wonderful day we'll talk to you next time